All right. The award winners, the Summer Come Always Award, congratulations. You know, there have been, uh, through the years, through the years of Alpha, there have been many, many special people that have graduated from Alpha uh, along with you, so you guys are in great company. Um, let me just show you here. Uh, um, one of the great graduates is Abraham Lincoln. You know, and look at what, this was on his questionnaire. He said, attending the 10 week, 10 weeks, used to be 10 weeks, uh, was my inspiration to complete the Gettysburg Address. Imagine what this could mean to you. Here's another president, uh, Bill Clinton. He says, as much as I love alphabets, I did not inhale them. Well, maybe did. Um... Nick Saban. Did you know that? Yeah. He, you know, he, he went through the whole course. I mean, look at the trophy. I mean, this was a big deal. And, and on, his, on his questionnaire, by the way, we have a questionnaire. We hope you'll fill out tonight. I'll tell you about that in a minute. This is what he wrote on his questionnaire. He said, not only am I proud of completing the entire Alpha course, the serial has been a great way of teaching my players to spell. Isn't that great? I mean, this man is so powerful. I, you probably don't know this, but it's in the books. It's in the law books, legislative books. Because Alpha meant so much to him, they renamed the state to Alphabama. Did you know that? <laughs> so stupid. All right. But probably the most amazing, most amazing graduate of Alpha um, now, you're going to see here his picture after Alpha. I'm, if you're able to stand it, I'm going to show you the before picture. So, um, um, here, Frank Einstein. Uh, there he is, climbing the steps. Perfect attendance, October 31, 1917. Now, if you think he's not the most handsome guy here, you should have seen what he looked like prior to Alpha. I mean, the transformation here is amazing. I mean, he looks like GQ here compared to what he looked at. And the night he walked into, the night he walked into the course, I mean, there was already people screaming. They were, they were, they were so aghast at the appearance of this person. And so anybody here have a weak stomach? Because I do not want to be guilty of making anyone heave on somebody else. Or, okay, so if you're ready, I mean, this is what he looked like before Alpha. Yeah, Charles Abbott Steen. Now, I mean, just you know, like, Charles had a rough upbringing. Uh, for the for the longest time, Charles thought his last name was Charles, not Abbott. But he thought his last name was Charles Rabbit, and he never left the house without. I mean, uh, even into his adult years, it finally took Sarah, it finally took Sarah to get him to wear something other than what he thought represented his last name. And so, so there's, there's Charles, Charles Rabbit. God. Ah, oh, it takes a lot to get this stuff. So anyway, Charles, congratulations to you as well for 
Yeah, we do, we do. Yeah, we do love you, Charles. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you, you actually left the house? <laughs> Uh, no, we're done for the evening. That's it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> well, uh, we really can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys being here. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, and we do hope you'll continue. We've got you know we've got on your on your table. Tonight. So not next week, but May second. We'd love for you to continue to go deeper, and uh, we've got the. Um, Something called Foundations, which is a follow-up to the Alpha course. It's a six-week class. And then we've got the Marriage course as well, which is a marriage workshop that will be going on as well. And uh, we can only fit 15 couples in that, and I know it's, it's, um, it's filling up. Um, and then we've got something called Systematic Theology, which is basically just basically the order of the Christian faith, how the Christian faith fits together. It's going to be a little bit... That's going to be a deeper class, but we would love for you guys to consider any of those. It's going to look like this evening. The, the foundations class will be in here. Uh, the marriage workshop will be in that room, room 202. And I'm not quite sure where the systematic theology of class will be. It may be downstairs in the bookstore. But uh, tonight at your tables, you do have a little postcard with a QR code that if you want to register for any of those, you can do that this evening. And uh, we would love for you to... We would love for you to continue. I mean, if this has meant something to you, and I, I trust it has because I don't think you'd still be coming. Um, it's got to be more than dinner. I mean, dinner's really good, but it's got to be something that God has been speaking to your hearts. Okay, well, let me hustle on here. Well, for now eight weeks, um, we've been taking a lot of stereotypes, a lot of religious stereotypes, and kind of kind of looking at the Bible up against what we may have just sincerely assumed through our entire religious upbringing was what the Bible said, but we just didn't know because we never read the Bible. So whether that was, how can I know that heaven is going to be my home? Um, the Bible, can I even trust the Bible? What's in the Bible? Uh, issues of evil. And tonight, tonight may be, you know what, tonight may be the biggest one of all, um, and it's the church. What about the church? Um, now, when you think of church, or when I thought of, or the church, I mean, what do you think about? And there's just some popular misconceptions, like the church is services. When do you have church? When are your services? When do you have your church time? Or the church is clergy, like, or the leadership, you know, a small group of religious leaders who make the decisions. What's your, what does your church have to say about that? Um, or that the church is a particular denomination. What kind of church do you go to? What's the denomination of the church that you go to? Or that the church is a building. You drive by and there's the church. Uh, where's your church? But the church isn't, according to the scripture, the church isn't a service, but it has meetings. The church isn't leaders, but the church has leaders. The church uh, is not denominations, but there are denominations. Uh, and the church is not the location or the building. But the church basically meets in a building. So tonight, we're going to talk about the church. And the church is God's body, it's God's home, it's God's people, and it's God's family. And 
this, the scripture talks about these two Greek words, and you may want to write this down because I don't, I don't have it, but it's the church is, in the, in the Greek word, church is called ekklesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. The word ek means out. The word klesia means called or called out from. Okay, so when you talk about the church, it's those who have been called out. Well, called out from what? Well, you've been here a few weeks, you know. Called out from Adam and called into Christ. Called out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's beloved son. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about those who are now in Christ. And Christ is in them. And so let's just talk about here the body uh, of Christ is an organism, all right? Here's what, here's what the, the, the Apostle Paul writes. He says, for is in one body, we have many members. Okay, one body, many members. And the members do not have all the same function or the same gifts or the same abilities. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So the body of Christ is... Now, when I, was, when I was growing up, the only thing I knew about the body of Christ was it had to do with a wafer. That's all I knew anything about. Now, and I'm going to show you something right now. Now, look. Whatever your denominational persuasion is, I am not about to serve communion here, okay? And I mean, I mean that seriously. But I, wanted, I want us to just look at this piece of bread. And let's just call it a body, Okay? This bread is the body of Christ, all right? Well, if you're in Christ, whether you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, non-denominational, Assemblies of God, what doesn't matter? You have, the body of Christ is in you. The Christ is in you. And, and so, so you may have the Methodists, you know, or the Episcopalians, but whoever is in Christ... See, the body of Christ, and here, if you're in Christ, uh, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, uh, if you're in Christ. See, and so there are many members, you see, for as in one body, we have many members. One body, many members. The members don't all have the same function, so they, though we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So if you put the whole body back together, this is what you have. You have the body of Christ. See, Christ is not divided. It doesn't matter what your denomination is. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew or slave or free or black or white or yellow or brown. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. There is no division. The only division is between whether or not you're in Christ or if you're in Adam. And so one body, many members. That is what a, the picture of communion is. It's one body broken for us. Right? He who was whole was broken so that we who were broken could be made whole. He makes us one body in Christ. So the body of Christ is the multiplicity of members. The body of Christ is not denominations. The body of Christ is not buildings. The body of Christ is 
humans who, because they are in Christ and Christ is in them, I'm going to break, I'm going to show you this a little bit more in, in a moment. We are one in Christ. We may go to different buildings that have different names on it, but we are one in Christ. That's what the Bible says. Again, I'm not asking you to believe a word I'm telling you. This is clearly what the Bible says. And I could, I could throw so many more verses up here for you, but I just don't have the time to do it. But I hope that very simple picture there shows us the one body of Christ in all of us that makes us, that makes us one. It makes us one in Christ. And so it's important for you and me to see that. So um, membership into Jesus' church, into his body, comes as a result of being in Christ. It's the only way it happens. It's the only way it happens. And so it's important that body parts are together. It helps for us to be together. The body, people, are called to be connected. We need to be connected. That's how a body works. I mean, if you were to see a, if you see a hand on the ground separated from the, from the arm, you know, a beautiful hand would be horribly gross if it was separated from the wrist and the rest of the arm. It's, it would have no function because it would be dead. It would it, it have no life. The life of any of our body parts is because it's connected. And the life comes from being connected. And the vitality comes from being connected. And the power comes from being connected. And that's the importance of this. And so in Christ, we're all connected. Regardless of whether you know one another or not. Well, meet this side of heaven or not. We're all connected because of and only because of Christ, the one who gives us his life. So, and you and I are called out ones to be meaningfully connected to one another's lives. Meaningfully connected. So the church is also, the church is also a home. It's a home. It's, it's a holy temple. This is what, this is what Paul tells the Corinthians. Now, and he's writing to those who are in Christ here because he says in the Old Testament, God called his people to build a house for him. If you're at all familiar with the Old Testament, God called his people to build a house for him. Not because he needed it. He didn't need a house. God didn't need a house to be in. Uh, but so that they could have a physical sign that he is near so that they could relate to that. Well, in the Old Testament, God dwelled in a building made by hands. In the New Testament, when Christ comes and is crucified and resurrected and, ascend, and, and ascended, now God dwells in a building made with hands. And this is the scripture here. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are, if you're in Christ, you are God's house. God, by the Spirit, dwells in you. That's how you are in Christ, and Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. Hear my question. Do you know that? I didn't ask you if you feel that. And I'm not quite sure what that would feel like. Do you know, do you know that your body is the dwelling place of God's Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You've been bought 
with a price. He's called us into Christ and called himself into, thereby called us into him. Peter writes this, 1 Peter 2.5. Follow this here. So as you come to him, Peter's writing to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, Christ was, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And again, I'm just using Peter's words and the words that are in every Bible, okay? You come to him a living stone. Christ is, if I were to had time to go into some more scripture, you'd see that Christ is the chief cornerstone. If you're in Christ, Peter calls us living stones and Christ is the cornerstone and we are fitted upon Christ, the cornerstone. We stand upon Christ and in Christ, the chief cornerstone. And he says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So there, there are those living stones that have been in Christ longer. And they're, they're more mature. And they lead us and they teach us. And then they're youngers of us. And we're all being built together into a spiritual house to do what to be a holy i know this word is going to make some of us go what a holy priesthood see all i was familiar with was was catholic and episcopal priests that's all i was aware of i had no idea that the bible calls everyone who is in christ a priest I had no idea. That was so weird to me. That was so foreign to me. But what is a priest? If you go back into the Old Testament, the priest is the one who, who mediates between God and the people. That's who he is. And Christ becomes the chief mediator for us between the Father and us. And now where does Christ live? If you're in Christ, in us. And therefore, we have that same ministry. The ministry of the priests in the Old Testament was, be, was to be in the presence of God. And he ministered for the Lord, before the Lord, and to the Lord. And in the New Testament now, because the veil has been broken and there's no more separation between man and God, God has given you and me that relationship and called us together as what kind of priests? Holy priests. Who made you holy? Not you. Christ makes us. If you're in Christ, God says... In my sight, you are holy, acceptable to me. Again, that's, I know that's strange. It's so, such a strange thought. But, but this is what it says. God chosen and precious. Chosen and precious. Hi again. So, so what we see here is that we have been made God's, God's house. I'm going to bring this, uh, this diagram to you. If, if you've been with us, you're familiar with this, these diagrams. All right. If you're in Adam, if you're curious or convinced or confused or whatever you may be, you're still in Adam. So this address is, you know, as God's, as God's house, as God's home, the only home where we have, where we are secure, forgiven, accepted, holy in his sight is in Christ. The church is only, according to the Bible, don't believe me, check it out yourself. According to the Bible, the church is composed of only those who are in 
Christ. You can go into a building that's called a church. You can say prayers in a building that's called a church. You can consider yourself any denomination. I could consider myself any denomination I want to. But according to the Bible, if I'm not in Christ, I am not a part of the church. Because the church is not a building. The church is a bunch of people. Luke, you're a living stone, and Hannah, you're a living stone, and, and you are two parts of the church. You are the church. So the church is alive, a live, living thing, not an inanimate thing. Now, again, am I going to go crazy about saying, where do you go to church? No, I'm not. But when we look at what's the Bible clearly teaching, the church is living. The church is people, Right? Um, here's the church. Here's the steeple. <laughs> Try to follow me now. Open the door and see all the people. All right, so. Um, so, so, the, so the church is people. That's exciting. Why is that? Because we're members of the body of Christ who makes us alive and calls us out of Adam and places us into himself. If you have a membership card at your particular assembly, that doesn't make you in Christ. What makes you in Christ is Christ and accepting, accepting him. Okay. So we see that the church has an identity and a calling Right? So the church is in Christ. So the church is also people. The church is people. Uh, the church is the people of God. Um, and when you, if, you, if you've been looking at the Bible and you look at all these letters like the epistle of Paul to the Romans, the epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, the epistle of James, the epistle of Peter, or 1 John, uh, that's all written to the church. They're, they're, these letters are written to the ecclesia. They are written to those who are in Christ. Now, you know, it's interesting. Um, the thing about people, I, I don't know if you know this about certain people. They're just not perfect. Have you noticed that? And church people I, you know, can be the most imperfect, which, again, that's why we're so grateful for the grace of God, aren't we? Because I'm anything but perfect. And I'm grateful for God. But there are often times when... Um, I don't know what services you attend, but there's a, there's a bulletin. There's a, it's like a church bulletin or something like that. And it's amazing the, num the number of misprints in church bulletins. It's amazing the number of things that are said that probably shouldn't be said or weren't meant to be said that way. If you've ever seen this or not. But I, ju I just wanted to bring a couple of those to your attention tonight. Here's one of them. The pastor would appreciate if the ladies of the congregation would lend him their electric girdles for the pancake breakfast next Sunday morning. kind of shocking, but um, uh, ah, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> this. Uh, here's, here's another misprint, I guess. Um, ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, the associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge. Up yours. <laughs> what are they thinking? Uh, 
just a couple more. Oh, yeah, this being Easter Sunday. We just had this a couple weeks ago. We will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> what a picture that must have been. Uh, oh, due to the rector's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued <laughs> until further notice. I don't know if any of you are part of this group, but... Um, Oh, no, no, no. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors, guys, for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and asks for tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. That should help her with her sleep or any of mine. Um, oh, yeah. And if you're part of, of, of this group, the low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. You know, just don't want you to think you shouldn't have low self-esteem. Um, Ah, uh, yeah, this great mission. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. Like, whoa. <laughs> Strong diaphragm. Um, and then probably the most true. This, this one is probably the most true. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. So... Some of these things that show that the church is a mess. So anyway, but, but let's look at, let's go further into Peter's comments here. This is Peter's first letter to the church. And he says this, but you are a chosen race. The word there is genos, from which we get the word gene or genetic You are, he's talking to the church now, you are a chosen race, a chosen, some are translated generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Uh, Last week in in our men's group on Thursday, we were talking about that group, Peculiar People. Do you remember that? This is where that scripture comes from. So it's in the King James says, a um, a peculiar people. Not, it, it, it helps us to translate it a people for God's own possession. Like, right, you're the temple of the Spirit. You got, you're owned by, by God. So a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. Why? So you can proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's what the church of Jesus Christ does. Christ has come into me to show not how marvelous I can be, but to show how marvelous he is. He says, for once you were not a people, you were in Adam. But now you are the people of God. You were in Christ. You had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. See, he's called us out Ecclesia, called out of darkness, called into his marvelous light. You were once not a people. Hey, if you're, if you're breathing here today, if you're alive, you were once not a people. You were not gods. I was not gods. I was born in Adam's race, separated from him. But because of his mercy, he placed me into Christ. He placed me into Christ. And so, again... The point is here, the church is not the building. The church is not the denomination. The church is the people of God. I saw this t-shirt once. Actually, my brother bought me this shirt for for, um, for, uh, Christmas. The church 
has left the building. And I know, again, we've got such a concept. I mean, it was my concept that the church is not necessarily the people, that, but it's, it's the building or the leaders of the denomination. No, it's every one of us as living stones fit together in Christ. We belong to Christ. And guess what that means? We belong to one another. So when the scripture says, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's that, that oneness that is so essential. And the communion of the two, I mean, the fellowship, the community is so very important. So number four, the church is a family. Okay, the church is a related family. Now let me just show you some scriptures here. Because um, the Bible's pretty clear on the church being family. If everything, everyone's in Christ, that makes sense. So just a few scriptures. Everyone that believes is in Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. Everyone that is in the wheelbarrow, everyone that said I do, everyone who receives the gift has been born of God. Same family. To as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. Again, so if you've been in Christ for a while, I hope what you're hearing tonight is doing this in your heart. I mean, it's already this. But I hope that it's giving to you a greater sense of what God has provided to each and every one of us so that we're standing on someone else's shoulders, connected together, needing one another, grateful for one another, humble before one another. So this is important. This kind of love the Father's given us, that we be called His children. No more Adam's children taken out of death and separation from him forever. And Paul says this in his letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. Yeah, very far away. That's Christ. And peace to those who were near, meaning the Jews. So far away or near. For through him, we both have our access, both meaning Jews and Greeks. We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Now, could it be any more clear than that, that God has given us a pretty straightforward definition of what the church is? And by virtue of that, we should see fairly clearly what the church isn't. The church is people in Christ, regardless of what denomination or nation or anything else. The church is, from God's perspective, the body of Christ, the family of God, the people where he makes his dwelling place. This is characterized by great intimacy and connection. It's people related. It's people responsible. I mean, there's no such thing as an isolated, healthy Christian. I have heard so much lately. I'll ask people, hey, well, um, where do you go on Sunday mornings? 
Well, are you in Christ? Oh, yeah, I'm in Christ. Uh, where do you go? Well, I'm kind of looking for a place to go. I mean, I hear this all the time. And there's no way that if you're in Christ, God just wants you kind of wandering out somewhere. That's a dangerous place to be. When sheep are wandering, uh, you're soon to be devoured. Um, but the, the important thing for, for you and me to see here is it, it's like this. I know it's getting ready to be summer and it's going to be barbecue time real soon, right? And if any of you use real, anybody use real charcoals anymore? Okay, a few people. Okay, so um, I don't know why you do that. But, um, <laughs> but if you use real charcoals, I mean, what do you do? You get them all together, right? You put them all together up and you just light them up. And, and why do you put them all together? Because they burn well together. What happens if you take one of those charcoals and just put it out on the side? What's going to happen? Nothing. That's exactly right. It's not going to... They burn together. They, they function together. They do what they're supposed to do together. The good news for us is that we don't burn out. We don't, eventually, our bodies will turn to ash. But we don't burn out because I need the Cliffs and the Charles and the Sarahs and, the, and, and the, the, my dear encouraging brother... Richard over there, just they they feed my soul with our fellowship and our prayers together and our caring for one another. We need one another. And sometimes that's just that should always be obvious. It really should be always obvious. Uh, But sometimes it's just more obvious than others. I I can tell you when Annette and I, um, it was December of 2010. um, No, 2009. Uh, we'd gotten a diagnosis that Annette had breast cancer in um, October of 2009. And we waited, we had to wait till December for her, them to do a, just a double mastectomy, radical surgery. It was, she was in the operating room for like nine hours, I believe. Um, and, uh, but when we got there that morning at like, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning, There were 40 people at least waiting for us to pray for us, to care for us, to love us. The church has always been important to us. But you get to see how important the church really is when you face a situation like that. Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, um, this building... Not this building, but the building we were in, which had to be raised, had to be torn down, uh, was under nine feet of water for 15 days. <laughs> it was really something. But what we saw was a gathering of those in Christ that called Lakeview Christian Center home reach out to this entire neighborhood to tear out sheetrock, to do whatever was needed for people. Feed them, bring them gifts, do whatever to, to care for them. We saw that's the church of Jesus Christ in action. And we burned together during Katrina. That passion for Christ, we burned together to care for those. Didn't matter, didn't matter. Just to love them 
and to be the expression and the extension of Christ to them. Church is God's determination of how he wants those of us in Christ to live. It's God's decision. doesn't matter whether I like it or not. Uh, the issue is, will I obey God in what he has called me to and where he has called me? Um, and so, you know, I wrote, why is the church boring and irrelevant for most? And I would argue it's because it lacks these biblical characteristics. I mean, we look for this. Sometimes some of us, we can look for the shortest service, um, the most convenient, the most convenient time offered, uh, parking close to home. But again, that, that could just be practicing religious theology. Could be. doesn't mean it is, but it could be. Um, but where do I go for these things? And I think, it, you know, as, as we close up this alpha, uh, first, just so cannot tell you how grateful we are for your being with us these weeks for watching um and and i told you at the beginning of alpha what alpha is not alpha is not an effort to get you to leave your church your denomination it's not a membership drive here not trying to get in your pocket not I, and i and i'm confident you've not experienced any of those knots um but i still have to ask you this i mean i, I had somebody walk up to me many years ago and say to me said to me frank I've learned more, this is when we did 10-week alphas, I've learned more in 10 weeks about the Bible and God, in 10 weeks, than I have my entire life going to church. And I was, on one hand, excited to hear that, but on the other hand, I was really sad to hear that. And you can understand why. And so I, my, my encouragement to you is this. Maybe, maybe you go to church, and, um, but uh, maybe you just haven't gotten out of it all that there is to be received. Dig in more where you are. But maybe you've dug as far as you can dig. But you still want to be at that church, that, that assembly. Great. Then find more. Get fed more. If you've been fed more in eight weeks, if you've learned more of the Bible in eight weeks, maybe then you've learned your entire life, could I humbly? I think, I've, I think you guys trust me a little bit here. Um, can I just humbly encourage you? There's more. There's more. And that's what God wants for every one of us, to grow to know him, to desire him more. Uh, the Apostle Paul prays for... the. Uh, for the church in Ephesus, that he would give them his spirit, those who are in Christ, God's spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they know him more. Remember, Jesus said, Father, this is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Whom you've sent. All of the Christian life is about knowing him, and I get to know more about Christ by knowing you. By knowing Christ in you, I learn more of who Jesus is as I hear your stories and experience what you've experienced and, and hear the revelations that God has given you of his scripture. And we get built together as a holy house, acceptable to the Lord. Now, there's a, there's a statement that I know you're familiar with, this, and it's this one. If you keep doing what you've been doing, You'll keep getting what you got. 
You're familiar with that, I'm sure. So just think about your experience through your life, your religious life even. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you got. This eight weeks, maybe it's been good for you. I hope it has. But this is going to fade into the sunset real soon. It will be a nice memory. Maybe. Hopefully nice, at least. But, but why make it a memory? Why not have the best of discovery of the God who loved you so much, who loved me so much, he died to prove it and wants you and me to just embrace him more and more and more. Life in the dash is too short, and life in the line never ends. We must be devoted to more than tradition, religious tradition, and must dive deeply into what God reveals to us through his scriptures. I'll close with this, and I'll be done. C.S. Lewis, he's helped us through the course. He might as well close us here. Um, Lewis said several things. He said this. He says, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man or woman who turns back soonest is the most progressive. If you feel like you've been on the wrong road, why would you not turn around? Like I've told you, this decision for Christ has nothing to do with denomination or anything else. It's between you and Jesus. He came to save you, not your denomination. He came to serve you. He came to save you. That's what he came to do, save you individually so that we could corporately be members one of another. Another quote from Lewis, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know that God-shaped hole that Shia LaBeouf we talked about many years ago, uh, many, many years ago, many weeks ago? Uh, the most probable explanation, if, if you got everything you think you wanted on this planet, or pretty much, and there's still something missing, I think Lewis is onto something here. In fact, I'm confident he is. No desire, no experience, no amount of cars, no amount of money, no amount of jobs, no amount of children, no amount of anything. The most probable explanation is there must be more. There must be more. Lewis says this, you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. You aim at earth, get ready to lose it all. You aim at everything. Mr. Gates, again, I'm not, I don't know anything about Bill Gates' faith. Mr. Gates, if, if you're in Adam, you can have it all until you have nothing at all. Last one. He who plans for this life but fails to plan for the next is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. So, as, as we have gone through these weeks together, the hope has been that we together would reason together and look and see what the Bible has to say and what that means to each and every one of us. This is your decision. Um, if what we have shared with you is the truth, we pray that you will seriously consider this. If you have gone from Adam to Christ, we rejoice with you. If you're still considering, 
we rejoice with you that you're considering and here, just grateful. Um, but we do thank you, really. Thank you for joining us and being a part of this. What I'd like to do, I'd just like to, just to close us in prayer. And um, before I do that, I, there's some questionnaires on your table. Just if you could give us some feedback, that'd be great. Uh, you guys at my table, I already filled out your questionnaires, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, uh, <laughs> but... Um, uh, but again, on behalf of all of us, thank you. Hope you'll join us for Foundations. Uh, the next Alpha, I'm not quite sure when it starts, but it's sometime the end of August. So if this has meant something to you, bring your friends. You know, come back, bring your friends. Uh, maybe it means something to them as well. So let me pray for us, and uh, we'll take a break. Lord, thank you. Um, I mean, that. thank you, Lord, for, um, for these weeks that we've had together. Thank you for new friends. Thank you for deeper friendships. Thank you for new life. Lord, if you really did come to save us, if you really did come to rescue us, to take us out of Adam, Lord, uh, I can't imagine that there's one person here in this room or watching that doesn't want to know the truth. None of us want to believe a lie. We want to believe the truth. And Jesus, you said you are the truth. And so if you are raised from the dead, we believe that you are the truth. And I pray, God, by the Holy Spirit, whom we discussed last week, the one that convinces us of the truth, Lord, you would just continue to work in our hearts to just simply say, I do. I do. I trust you. I give my life to you. I am yours now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you being here.